I want to reemphasize that last announcement. This coming Saturday that we'll be up here, please, I would just, it's an awesome opportunity for you to do this as a family. It's a great opportunity for you to do as a small group. Figure out a way to make that happen just for a little bit of time. You can sign up as soon as you're done. If you didn't get the QR code, you can get it out there at the Welcome Center. So I'd encourage you to do that. Here's something I want you to think about. How many of you tend to approach God based upon your ability to keep the rules? I just want you to think about this. Is your prayer life, is your understanding, is your, is your feeling like you have confidence to go before God and ask or, or to request or demand or, or whatever, is it based on your, in other words, do you, do you feel like your, your attendance at church, your giving, your serving, your being kind to, to other people and all those kind of things, do you feel like that kind of stuff kind of gets deposited into a credit account on your behalf so that when all of a sudden you have a prayer request or you need a favor or you need to get God to get you out of a jam, you're kind of praying based upon those things as if that then requires God to answer your request. This is how oftentimes, how we treat, because when the prayer request doesn't get answered, then you're all ticked off and frustrated with God, and then you wonder, well, why then am I doing all this stuff? Or we, we think that, man, if I haven't been making good decisions, I've been making some sinful or bad decisions, or I haven't been going to church like God's upset with me, he's mad at me, so then who am I to approach God? Like, I can't even pray. Like, I can't go to God. I mean, I've been doing this and this and this. I haven't even been to church in six months. I mean, like, like I, I can't, like, I can't go to God. It's like as if we have, like, we can hear God responding like, really, Bob? Like, you're going to ask me to do this? After everything I've done, I've sent my son Jesus to die for you, and you can't even figure out a way to carve out an hour on a Sunday to even attend. And you, then you have the audacity to, to come before me and ask me to answer this prayer request? Seriously? Like every, after everything I've done for you, this is, gonna, this is how you're going to act? As if God is trying to use guilt to get you to behave correctly. Where does this come from? Potentially, it, it, it's come that thinking or that belief system about God possibly came from the way your parents parented you. Or maybe it's the way you parent your kids. After everything, we've sacrificed for you, and this is how you treat us, right? Your kids are like, oh, yeah, that's my parents, right? <laughs> or maybe, maybe that's, the church or churches that you've attended, and that's the way they taught the scriptures to you. The problem is that's not what the Bible teaches. In fact, that doesn't even come close to reflecting the heart of God towards his children. So if that's true, then let's take a look at it. If you have your Bibles, open up with me to Romans chapter 8, and if you're a guest, again, thank you. If you're tuning in online, just thank you so much for tuning in. We're incredibly glad that you are uh, we're thankful you're here. If you're a guest, just so you know, we're about four weeks into this series called The Death of Religion. 
Uh, I'm going to breeze by quite a few verses. Please do yourself a favor. Go back. We're on Spotify and YouTube and Facebook and whatever else. Uh, but please go back online, listen or watch the message so that you can kind of get tuned in to what we're talking about. Because there, there's a lot of stuff that I don't have time to go into and explain this morning. Uh, but I want to take a little bit of a time just to recap just a tiny bit to kind of explain where we've been and where we're going. So we've said that religion, okay, need to write this down, religion is my attempt, is my attempt to work my way into a relationship with God. So when people tell me, you know, if I'm, if I'm, you know, connecting with somebody and they find out I'm a pastor, they're like, oh man, hey man, I'm not really into religion. I said, that's cool, neither am I. They're always taken back by that. And why is that? Because here's religion. Religion is my way to earn my way, uh, to work my way into a relationship with God. And the beautiful thing is Jesus came to abolish religion. Jesus came to put religion to death. So let's look at this. Romans chapter 8. Let's go ahead and start in verse 1. He says, therefore, he says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free. It set you free from what? Set me free from the law of sin and death. And Paul wants us to understand, every single one of us in this room, we were all born into sin, every one of us. We were born into a condemned world. So that means from the get-go, we are all condemnable, right? Parents, when you had your beautiful kids up here, when you look in their faces, you're like, they're not sinners, and just give them a minute, <laughs> right? Just give them a minute. They'll, they'll show it real quick. You don't even have to teach them. They're just doing it. Why? Because we're born sinners. We're born into a condemned world. Hence, we are, from the get-go, we are condemned. We're born into the old religious system, the law of sin and death. It's a cause and effect relationship. You sin, it brings death. You sin, it brings death. It's a cause and effect relationship. But when we come to Christ and we accept the free gift of salvation through Jesus, he then brings this new system that we can approach God, not based upon our ability to do the right things and keep the law and all that kind of stuff, but it's through the spirit of life. And that, that spirit of life now supersedes, and I explained all this stuff in the previous weeks, because both are in effect. Both these systems are in effect, but the law of the spirit of life supersedes the law of sin and death. And this is the beautiful part, which makes us no longer condemnable by God. A relationship with Jesus makes you no longer condemned by God. Verse 3, for what the law was powerless to do and that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin. Notice he condemned sin, not man. He's condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. He says, those who live or walk according to the sinful nature or flesh have their minds set on what the nature desires. But those who live or walk in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death. And again, I know this is a whole lot of stuff and it could be super confusing, which is why I want you to go back and listen but the, sin, but the mind, uh, excuse me, this, the mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled, which is again, terrible translation, it should be the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. 
The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Now listen to me. This is, this is super important. Paul is saying that as long as you and I, as long as we keep functioning as if we have some ability to do enough things right in order to keep on God's good side, like you don't want to get on bad, you know, God's bad side. We saw what happens in the Old Testament, right? Like you're thinking, man, I, I don't want to end up there. I don't want to end up like Ananias and Sapphira. Or you just dropped dead. Like, like how in the world do I keep? And our thinking is, man, I just need to do all the right things in the right order at the right time. And hopefully, right, like in Paul saying, that is walking in the flesh. And when we try to walk in the flesh, he says, you cannot please God. So even though you're trying to do the right things, when you're doing it in the flesh, he says, we cannot please God. So when we're faced with sin and temptation and we're trying to do it all in our strength and ability and discipline and habit, and we got all those things, even though those things have validity, all those things have value, don't misunderstand me. But when that is your way to try to overcome everything, you're walking in the flesh. And what Paul's helping us understand, eventually you're gonna fail because you can't do it in your own strength, and you are going to give over to the desires of your flesh and experience the fruit of that desire of your flesh, which always leads to death. This is what he's getting at. But when we realize, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, when we realize we are just as powerless to live the Christian life as we were to earn the Christian life, in other words, we can't earn our salvation. We can't do enough good things that stack up to get to God. Like none of us can earn it. We, Ephesians 2 tells us that. But it's been a free gift that we receive by grace through faith. Like it's been, so we didn't earn it. And what Paul wants us to understand, you couldn't earn salvation and you can't live the Christian life because it's the Christ-like life. The only person that could live it was Christ. And so he empowers you with his spirit to be able to live the Christ-like life. And so this is why when we, when we finally realize I'm just as powerless to live the Christian life as I was to earn the Christian life, then it postures my heart to say, God, I know I can't, but you can. I know I can't do this, but you can. So here's what I ask, Lord. Would you please fill me you already indwell me. I'm asking, would you please fill me and empower me to do what I can't do on my own? And Paul says, when you do that, when you walk according to the Spirit, when you walk in step with the Spirit, you will do what the Spirit desires. But when you walk in the flesh, you will do what the flesh desires. Look back at the definition that we talked about last week. This should be in your notes. Walking in the Spirit is this moment-by-moment moment dependence. Not your commitment, not your dedication, but your moment-by-moment moment dependence upon the Holy Spirit to prompt you to do what he wants you to do and to empower you to do what you cannot do. I'm gonna read this again because I really want this to sink in. Please make sure it's in 
You write it down. Walking in the Spirit is moment-by-moment dependence upon the Holy Spirit to prompt you. So like when you're going down the road like, and, and you want to say something or do something that would be inappropriate or not honoring to the Lord, like, like he would prompt you to, to respond the way he would want you to respond and empower you to do like you cannot do. Because I'm just going to be honest. Like if I were to take a poll this morning and I were to say, okay, how many of you, like Jesus said, that I have come to give you life. John 10, 10, you can look it up yourself. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and give you life to its fullest. And if I were to say, hey, just curious, wanna take a poll, how many in here would really like life and life to its fullest? To be brutally honest, I think probably everybody in here would raise their hand and Paul goes, great, so then just walk by the Spirit. I mean, every single one of us have access to this life and life to its fullest that Jesus promised to provide. And and again, he just says, well, if you want that, then just walk in the Spirit. But the problem is when you're in traffic later today or tomorrow and somebody honks at you or, or they give you the finger because they're annoyed or you didn't move fast enough at the, when the light turned green or your kid said something to you that was incredibly rude or disrespectful or your spouse said something to you that was incredibly hurtful or rude or disrespectful in front of your friends, how do you respond? Because this, this is the reality. Like we can talk church and we can talk religion and we can talk about all these theological things, but this is where the rubber meets the road. Like how do you respond in these moments? And I would love to tell you that I don't struggle in these areas. Literally, I was talking a couple weeks ago to you about, you know, coming to the men's breakfast, and I was behind a guy, and I'm like, seriously, dude, come on, and it finally turns in, I'm like, oh, no, you know, because, like, I was, like, almost getting ready to honk, you know, and, and my son was like, Dad, what would you have done? I'm like, I was going to H-E-B, like, I'm not peeling, <laughs> right, and some of you know, because you, you've done it already, right, yeah, I know, I know the way you drive, but, but here's the thing, no joke, so I, you know, I shared that, and, and uh, that week, like I'm driving, Sue's like, didn't you just talk about this? You're doing it again. I'm like, hey, if I wanted your opinion, I'd ask right now. But, but again, but again, it's, it's a struggle, right? Like this, like it's so easy and natural to walk in the flesh. It's my natural go-to. Why? Because that's that's a part of my old nature. I'm a new creation now with Jesus, but I have got to constantly be reminded that this is a moment by moment, and I can be walking with the Lord, and man, I, I get behind somebody, or somebody says something rude, or disrespectful, or hurtful, and my flesh just wants to come rearing to the front, and if I'm not paying attention, and if I'm not asking the Lord to fill me and empower Power me, it is so easy for me to react, not respond in the spirit, but react in the flesh. It's this moment by moment. He goes on, verse 9, he says, You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the spirit, if the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. In other words, he's saying, if the spirit, if the Holy Spirit's not in you, is not taking up residence in you, it means that you're not saved. You, you receive the spirit at salvation. 
He takes up residence in your life. And so if you don't have the spirit of God living in you, you've just been attending church. Like you've just been going through the, like, like that's a conversation that we want to have to help you understand what does it mean to have a relationship with Jesus. But Paul is saying that no matter what decisions you've made in the past, present, like no, no matter what sins that you've committed, once you become a follower of Jesus, the spirit of God resides in you. Listen to me. It, no it makes you no longer condemnable before God. But here's the other beautiful part. It also makes you no longer controlled or enslaved to your sin nature. You are not only no longer condemned, you are also no longer a slave to sin. You no longer need to be chained to your past. You no longer need to be chained to your regret. You no longer need to be chained to all those decisions that you wish you could go back and have a redo. But all of a sudden, what Paul is trying to help us understand is you need to realize that the one who now resides in you has freed you from that and you get to walk in freedom. Like that's what he's given us. So let me ask you, why would you choose to go back to the chains? This, this, this is, like, this is what we do. Like, when we come to the realization, like, I was a slave to sin before Jesus. Every single one of us in here all have that same story. We are all slaves to sin before Jesus. And it's a, it's a terrible analogy, but I'm trying to give you a visual, you know, how men, you know, often men, uh, and I apologize, ladies, but men would often say, you know, all oh, the old ball and chain, Right? First, if you keep saying that, stop it. Right? But imagine this ball, and it's a, there's a chain, and it's attached to your, to your ankle, your leg, and you're carrying right the sin around like you're constantly. And all of a sudden, there's more sin, and they keep you know it keeps attaching. And eventually, like you can't like before Jesus, like you were enslaved to sin. And then you trusted in Jesus, like as your savior, to 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 save you and reconcile back to back you uh, back you back to God. And it's imagine Jesus with a key unlocking every single one of those shackles, and all of a sudden now you're free, and it's amazing, and you're not carrying this weight everywhere you go, and it's a beautiful thing. And for some reason, we keep going back. And we keep latching it, oh, no, 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 Jesus, thank you, but I'd love to keep carrying these weights all over the place. I mean, how foolish is that? But that's what we do all the time. And what Paul is trying to help us understand, you've been set free. Like, you've literally been set free. Why do you want to get chained back up again? Why do you want to continue to be a slave to sin? You say, well, what in the world does slave to sin mean? It simply means you're chained by some sin. You're like, like there is something that has control over you. Some sin has you shackled. And here's the problem. You think, this is where you've gotten to. You just think, I've just got to cope with life. I've just got to deal with life. And God's saying, no, you don't. You don't have to just cope. That's not the fullest life. I gave my son, not so you could cope. I gave my son so that you could be set free. And so Jesus, you need to write this down. Jesus didn't only come to set you free from the penalty of sin. Jesus came to set you free from the power of sin. 
of sin. There's the penalty of sin that none of us could pay. And there's the power of sin that none of us can overcome. And Jesus, through his spirit, has overcome all of that. And so you need to realize the penalty of sin has been paid for. And you've also been set free from the power of sin. And when you and I will learn to walk in the Spirit and be empowered by the Spirit, we, all of a sudden, if we, if we don't learn, I'm gonna just put it this way, if we don't learn, we will become continually enslaved to our desires. We will come continually enslaved back to all our appetites. We will become enslaved to our self-centeredness. We will continue to be enslaved to all our fears and think, I just don't think I can change because it's all a bit about you trying to change you. And here's what every single person in here needs to understand loud and clear. God did not save you so that you could cope with life. God saved you so that you could walk in freedom. Amen? Amen. We have a ministry in here at our church called Celebrate Recovery. And I, I'm just going to encourage you. They talk about, you know, what are the hurts, habits, and hangups and these things in our lives that, that again, you need the body of Christ to come alongside because how do, I, how do I walk in the freedom that God's given me instead of keep falling back into patterns that I've struggled with all these years? And you can't do it on your own. Like the Holy Spirit's gonna empower you and you need other people to walk with you. So what the Apostle Paul is, is saying, so just you know, they meet Tuesday nights, they have sign up out there, please do yourself a favor, really look at getting involved with, with Celebrate Recovery. So what the Apostle Paul in these next verses is, is, is and what we're gonna be looking at today, and again, I, I, I hope that if you don't hear anything else, I, I hope you do, you will hear this. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, listen, no, no matter what decisions you've made in the past, no matter what you've experienced, no matter what your past has been telling you, no matter what those voices of other people in your life have been saying about you. Here's what God says about you. And just by the way, God's voice gets to trump all those other ones. So what God says is that if you've trusted my son Jesus as your savior, then you are no longer a slave to your flesh. So quit living like you are. And here's, these are the emails I get. Okay, Bob, listen, man, it's just not as easy as you say it is. If you just knew my story, if you just knew my struggle, if you just knew my situation, you would know it's just not that easy. And I would tell you, you are absolutely 100% right. It is not easy. In fact, it's impossible. See, I grew up in churches where the pastor would stand up here with his Bible and pretty much say, and sometimes outright say, if you just love Jesus, you'd stop doing this stuff. If you were truly saved, then you would stop doing these things. 
you know, I had one pastor that, you know, like before he came to Christ, I guess he smoked like six packs a day and he, you know, all that stuff. And he's like, and as soon as I came to Jesus, that whole desire went away and I've never smoked another. I'm like, that's not my story, right? I'm like, man, he must be, you know, major Jesus lover because I, I love Jesus, but I, I, you know, with the, maybe that's not the specific struggle, but I have other struggles. And I'm thinking, man, if, I, I guess the only way to succeed in this Christian life is to be a monk in a monastery because I don't know, like I love Jesus, but maybe I just got to love him more. Like, what does that even look like? Because that's how we've understood. Like, if you just raise the bar of your commitment, if you just do more and earn God's favor, but Paul's saying that's not it. That's walking in the flesh. He goes on, he says, but if Christ is in you, your body, here's great news, is dead because of sin. Yet your spirit, the one that goes to heaven, your spirit, your soul is alive because of righteousness. Again, let me explain this. He says, good news, everybody. Your bodies are dying and decaying. Welcome to Sile Life Church. Aren't you glad you came this morning? <laughs> Seriously, as we get older, we just, you're like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, no matter how hard I work in the gym, no matter how well I try to eat, like no matter what it is, my body's just dying. Like it's decaying. I've had, I've had numerous surgeries over the last year, my back surgery and hip replacement, neck surgery, hernia, like, and I'm going to have to have more eventually. And, and again, you just know, as you get older, you know this to be true, like your body is decaying. It's, it's, it's breaking down. Because why? Because we live in a dying, decaying world. And see, once you become a follower of Jesus, think, listen to this. Yes, your body continues to die, but your spirit is now made alive because now the Holy Spirit lives within you. So your body is going to die. Like it's just going to because we live in a death, dying world. But your spirit... Gee, if, you take, if, if the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life and you accept Christ as your Savior, then your spirit will be made alive. Listen to what Paul says. He's, he, he's saying in verse 11, he says, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. And you say, but how? He says, through his spirit who lives in you. So think about it. Paul's saying, look, how, just curious, just, just curious. How powerful do you think the Holy Spirit is? I want you to really think about this. Like how powerful do you really, because if, if you really believed he's that powerful, we'd rely on him. So how powerful do you really think he is? Because here's the deal. When, when I look in the mirror, I'm constantly reminded that my body is dying. It, it, if I jumped off if I jumped off this stage, my back would hurt, right? My knees would hurt. I played college ball. Like, I could jump. Like, it was all those things. Like, like that now, that, this would be painful for me. Like, I have to crawl down like this and get out, you know, because, because if I jump, it's just going to hurt, right? For some of you to run around the block, like it takes you a week to recover, whereas before, like it was just a day. Now you're like popping a leaf pills like they're Tic Tac. Like, like all of a sudden, like you just need, why? Because your body is dying. 
And again, here's what Paul's trying to get us to understand. If you can look in the mirror and see the downward slide, he's saying the Holy Spirit is so powerful. This is what you need to remember. The Holy Spirit is so powerful that he can enter into a dead, decaying body and bring powerful life and freedom to it. And if you have any questions, just check out Jesus. That's what he's getting at. That's what he's saying. He can enter into you. Like when you accept him, he enters in and he can bring life to a death dying body. Just Je Jesus was beaten and bruised and crucified and, and ripped and I mean all the, you know, just on this cross and then he was taken down and he's put in a grave with literally a hundred pounds of, of cloth wrapped around him and, he's, and the Holy Spirit's like, this is no problem. This is no problem. And he raises him back to life. And that same spirit lives in you. And so Paul's saying, if you're struggling with sin, if somehow, some way that sin has some death grip on you, then you're unaware of the power that lives in you. You're unaware, or you're just choosing to do it on your own because that same power that brought Jesus back to life has now entered your body at the point of salvation and he has called you to be free and experience life to its fullest. That's what he offers you. That's what he gives us. And it doesn't happen by being dedicated. It doesn't happen by being committed. It doesn't happen by trying to earn enough credits in your favor. It's you choosing to every moment by moment to be surrendered, just to be surrendered and dependent upon the Holy Spirit to do the work in me so that he can do the work through me. And this power is available to, to all of us every single moment of the day. Come on, why wouldn't we access this power? Why wouldn't we? Why would we go back to the chains? Why would we go back to walking in the flesh that's only gonna get the consequences of the flesh? Come on, let me ask you. Do, do you, in and of yourself, did you have the power? Did you have the power to overcome the penalty of sin? None of us in here did. Did you have the power? Do you have the power to overcome the decay of your body? You can prolong it, but you can't overcome it. It's just inevitable. Did you have the power in and of yourself to overcome the power of sin? And the answer to all of those things is no. And you're like, well, why the heck have I been trying so hard? I believe God's going, I've been asking you the same question. I've been asking you the same question. So Paul goes on, I love this verse, verse 12. He says, therefore, in other words, if what I've just said is true, he says, brothers, we have an obligation. Hmm. But it is not to the sinful nature to live in court. Let, let, me, let me say it a little different. He says, brothers, we are not under obligation to live according to the flesh. We are not under obligation to live according to our sinful nature because we have been set free from the penalty and the power of sin. We may choose to sin, but it's because you chose to sin. 
You've been set free, by the way. You don't have to, like you, if you walk in the Spirit, you can choose to rely on the Spirit to help you overcome whatever temptation or struggle or challenge is in front of you because at the cross, Jesus broke those chains and he set you free from it. And the Spirit of God took up residence in your life. And so if you want to keep sinning, you want to keep destroying family, if you want to keep destroying marriages, if you want to keep you know, setting a, a, a course for your kids with a divided home, if you want to keep creating wreckage along the way, hey, just keep doing what comes natural. But if you want life and life to its fullest, if you want to experience what God wants you to experience, then just walk and step with the Spirit by surrendering and depending on him every moment of the day. I'm just telling you guys, this, 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 this has hit me. Just because my natural bent is to try harder. It's to work harder at it. Be more committed. Be more dedicated. Paul says, verse 13, he says, for if you, hopefully this will clear up some things theologically. For if you, Live according to the sinful nature. You will die. Who's his audience? In other words, who's Paul talking to? He's talking to believers. Talking to Christians. Talking to the church. He's saying, if, if you, even though that you're saved, you're no longer a slave to sin. But if you continue to live as if you are a slave to sin, you will continue to experience the consequences of walking in the flesh, which is what? Which is death. And it's not necessarily immediate death, which it could be at times. It's not necessarily, you know, all these other things. But as we've seen, it could be a death in your marriage. It could be a death in a relationship. It could be a death in, in your self-esteem. It could be a, it's, sin brings Death. And so why, Paul's saying, why do that? Why do you want the consequences that come with that? Why do, you, why do you want to separate? Why would you want to walk according to the flesh and experience the pain and death that it will bring when I've offered you new life through walking in the Spirit? So he says, living according to the sinful nature, you will die, but if... Here's the relational powerful part. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So what's Paul saying? Put the flesh to death. Just put it to death. You go, but how? He says, by the Spirit. By the Spirit. And again, how, right? We talked about this last week. You can't do it. You can't. You, it is impossible for you to do it on your own. That's why, again, we come back to the Lord and say, Lord, I can't do it, but you can. Fill me, empower me. I want to love my family well. I want to love our church well. I want to love our community well. Lord, I want to, I want to represent you well. And it's not going to become, it's not going to come. I want to love and live like Jesus. And it's not going to happen by me trying harder. It's going to come by me surrendering, asking you to fill me and empower me and be reminded I can't, but you can. And you sit there and wonder, why can't I stop being so angry? 
Why can't I stop gossiping? Why can't I stop lusting? Why can't I stop spending money I don't have? Why do I find myself getting drunk so often? Why, 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 why are all these things, right? And we sit there and we try and we try and we try. So whatever the struggle is, and you try to use every ounce of willpower and commitment and dedication and hard work to overcome it. And Paul is saying, if you want that stuff to die, if you no longer want that stuff to continue to keep wreckage in your life, then you have to put it to death, not by you trying really, really hard, but by you surrendering to the Spirit to empower you for the Spirit to overcome the things of the flesh because you're reminded I am no longer under obligation to this sin. I am no longer a slave to sin. I am no longer what my family said I was gonna always do because it's what our family has just always done. I don't have to be a slave or chained up any longer. I can walk in freedom. The... Uh, I remember when I was living in Florida, we, I, I was talking with a guy, and he was talking, for, for some reason, I don't know why, but I love circuses, right? I have no clue why. I just always have. As a kid, I've always loved going to the circus and seeing a circus and, and so forth. Uh, maybe that's why I'm surrounded by a bunch of clowns. But anyway, uh, <coughs> kidding. Chad will be back next week. So um, just kidding. So I love him. And so I was talking to a guy. He went to visit. Uh, Barnum and Bailey Circus, where they were wintering in Florida, and and uh, and he he went up and he realized that you know these massive elephants are out there and and uh, and they're not in cages, they're just out in the open. But he noticed on their back leg there was this rope and it was nailed to a two by four that was that like was barely in the ground, and he knew like that massive animal could easily just rip that thing out and just go wherever he wants to go. But they weren't. They were all staying there. And so he naturally went up to the trainer and, and, and was like, hey, man, obviously there's no way that contraption holds that animal there. Like, like what in the world is that? Even, like, what's the purpose of that? He says, well, when we, when we get baby elephants, he said, what we do, and I apologize for any of you that, you know, um, find this offensive, but they would take, uh, real fine wire, and they would wrap it around the back leg of the, of, the, of the baby elephant. They would wrap it around with a slip knot. And then they would put it on a screw, and then they would take that screw and drill it into a railroad tie and put that railroad tie all the way down and only leave about 18 inches up out of the ground so it couldn't move. And so naturally, he said, naturally those baby elephants would try to get that thing off their foot and that slip knot would take, and all of a sudden now that, that wire was, 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 was just getting into the skin and the more that they would pull, the more the, the, the wire would contract. And, and again, it was just, it began to really, really hurt. And so the baby elephants eventually very quickly would learn they had to alleviate the pressure to alleviate the pain. They had to let off in order to alleviate the pain. And so then this happened and this happened and this happened. So they learned that. So eventually they could take the wire. As the, as the elephant matured, all they would have to do is put a rope around their back leg and, and, and just, you know, put it with a two by four barely sticking into the ground. And he says, listen to me. The rope and the two by four is not what's keeping them there. What's keeping them there is their memory. 
What's keeping them there is their past experience, which shaped their belief. And I'm like, that's it. That is so true. We keep choosing to be slaves to sin and shackled up because we want to walk according to the flesh because that's what we've chosen to believe about God because belief drives behavior. And I've had this stuff that I believe about God, maybe because of the way I was parented as a kid or the way that I experienced certain things, but all of a sudden my belief system shaped this and my experience tells me I've tried to stop and I've tried to stop and I've tried to stop and I can't. So guess what? I guess I just got to deal with this. I guess I just got to cope. I just guess, you know, I've just got to deal with it the rest of my life. My memory tells me that my family struggled with this sin issue and it's just being passed on from generation to generation to generation. So I guess I'm just going to struggle with it too. And I really believe that what God wants us to hear loud and clear this morning, what I believe he was saying even to me is, Bob, you don't have a wire wrapped around your ankle any longer. Like the rope, the two by four, the railroad tie, all of that stuff. When you trusted my son Jesus as savior, you were set free. You're no longer a slave to that sin. You are no longer obligated to your flesh. So start living like a free man. And so next week, (laughs) we're going to look at the solution to all of this. Because, man, this stuff's hard, isn't it? But, man, it's amazing how much easier it gets when we surrender. So let me pray for us. God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. Lord, I pray that, that you would that you would continue to pursue us, Lord, even even when we forget, even when we choose to ignore your promptings. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for not quitting on us when we often really just quit on you. And Lord, my hope and my prayer for every single one in here is that we would really learn what the victorious Christian life could be, the life and life to its fullest. And it's not based upon my ability to do better. But it's really based upon my surrender and you doing all the heavy lifting. So God, this week, would we learn to trust you, please? Would you help us? Would you give every single person in this room the visual reminder of the shackle and the chain and how you freed us and why in the world would we ever go back to it? And if you're here this morning and you're not even sure you have the Spirit of God living in you, please come up to one of the people that'll be up front of the stage or to the Welcome Center. We want to have a conversation what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. So God, today, even as we as we respond in this song with the, with the overflow of my heart because I'm so reminded that I, I couldn't earn it and I can't live it. 
So would you posture our hearts in such a way that we give you the credit, we give you the glory. Thank you for giving us the most powerful power that has ever existed and you actually gave it as a gift to reside in us. And so Lord, would we please not only be reminded, but surrender to it. Lord, we love you, we thank you. In Jesus' name.